Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we're about to be infected by beer. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Plague by Albert Camus. And someone's starting with a beer. Any takers? Definitely ready. Okay, so this is a uh, this beer is called Above and Beyond by Mast Landing. And it is a uh, American pale ale brewed with mosaic and Yukonot cryo hops. Yukonot? As in you're not able to? E-K, ek, what? I did not pronounce that correctly. Okay. No, that's <laughs> ek, ekwanot? That's not a letter. I heard Yukonot, I think. I think we had this at a Finback episode. E-K-U-A-N-O-T. Okay. How do you pronounce that? I've said Yukonot. That's what I thought it was. Maybe we could you say it very, in the spirit of Camus, the, uh, very French. Like, you can know. <laughs> the you can uh, know, U know and the K this. got mixed up in my uh, mind. It's more like Equinot. What number beer is this for you? <laughs> that was sip number one of beer number one. So, And how is it? Off to a good start. Uh, it is a hoppy pale ale is how I'd describe it. I mean, it's fine. It's nice. You know, Straightforward. If I had a lawn to mow and I needed to go mow it, I would possibly drink this at that time. Sounds fair. I did mow yeah. a lawn recently, I and I drank a much stronger beer than I should have afterwards, and then I had to sit down. So this, that was kind of easier for it. <laughs> Didn't stop me from drinking the beer, of course. Let's that's, that's not be stupid. No, the lawn was already done, so it's fine. And you can do that sitting down. <laughs> So, we are reading The Plague because, uh, as the time of recording this at least, the world is still crippled by uh, COVID-19 pandemic flu thing, which is a plague of sorts. And, uh, I mean, I feel like this one's pretty pretty straightforward while we're doing this one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a little background on The Plague. Not a super famous book. I mean, it is if you're a, like a book nerd. But if you know anything about Camus, it's The Stranger, which seems to be a really popular read for kids in like high school. And maybe if you take French in high school, you read it too. I don't know. But it, you know, just because it's a short, famous book, and Camus did win the Nobel Prize for Literature, so it's kind of a big deal, I guess. Uh, but The Plague was published in 1947 and is a, a boring-as-fuck story about a bunch of <laughs> people in Algiers dying of plague. And, you know, He, he kind of gives it away in the title. So join us next week. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, before, okay, the important thing to know about this is more like, it's, it's important to know Camus', Camus message that he's trying to tell. Uh, it's probably more useful to know that first, going into the book, rather Absolutely. than just reading it as a story. Because really, he's thought of as a philosopher, and his sort of philosophy is is one of the main ways he's trying to tell about his philosophy is in fact through these novels and his philosophy is that life is absurd yeah this is something he explores in the myth of sisyphus uh another which i forget the exact myth story of sisyphus but it's like the guy has to roll the boulder up the hill every day and then it rolls down and he has to do it again which is like going to work a metaphor for life yeah (laughs) it it is definitely (laughs) Um, and so by absurd, Camus didn't mean just stupid or nonsensical. Okay, what he meant is there is no meaning to life. Right, there's no and he's specifically talking about He's definitely talking about God. He's, there's no a definite purpose. And he was kind of saying either 
you can make of it what you want. Like you can find your uh, purpose. And then later Camus kind of in a, in a, and near the end of the book kind of says, well, the purpose is just kind of be to be decent to people. He thinks people should go on anyway, even though there isn't a meaning to life, just go on anyway. That that's what he's trying to say. Have a good time. Smoke uh, 11 cigarettes in an hour and drink a bottle of wine for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and a bag and have a baguette. That's the uh YOLO philosophy, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe I believe he coined the term YOLO. It's from a French phrase. He pronounced it Yolo. <laughs> <laughs> it is shit. Um, but he, you know, basically, I think it's in myth, as I knew about this before reading it, which definitely helped to understand the plague a little bit. That he kind of comes to the conclusion, and some somewhere he wrote, and is much more explicit that you could either just kill yourself or <laughs> find a reason to live. And because life is absurd, the only logical thing is to like, since there is no sense to it then you need to, you know, create that sense for yourself um, instead of killing yourself, which I guess is inspirational. But, and it turns out he didn't kill himself. So I'm going to have a beer. Um, neither of these apply just yet, but fuck it. Um, well, but fuck it, you know, let's, let's let your thing. But uh, the, the plot uh, takes place in the town of, what is it like? Omar or something like that. Oran, is a bunch, like, Oran. whatever o, OJ's first. What does that O stand for? It's like it's that. Orenthal. Uh, Orenthal <laughs> takes place there, and uh, which is in, Al, in Algiers, which at the time was a uh, French colony in North and, Africa. We should say Mediterranean well, coast of North Africa. Well, it's not Algiers, Idaho. You know, it's not like like you know. I'm sure there is an Algiers somewhere else, like Algiers, Kentucky. It's very likely, but it, yeah. Probably, it was yeah. it was only a French holding for like a few more years, right? Wasn't it in the fifties or the sixties when they had like a pretty violent there was uprising? A brutal civil war. By that meaning more like rebellion against the French, which they started to really get into the swing of things in the fifties. And I think were I think that was basically done and the French had surrendered by the sixties. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> well, First, they had to surrender in Vietnam first, and that was 1954, because they wanted their final colonial stand to be in Algiers. Uh, I'm just looking it up. Uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, Algerian independence was declared July 5th, fucking biters, <laughs> 1962. So they're in the town, and, and uh, we'll go through the characters in a minute, I guess. But eventually, they lock the town down under, under you know strict quarantine kind of things. And there are guards that uh, watch people... From leaving, and, and they probably, you know, when they when they would witness you leaving, they might say something like, "I see you." you know, I would, I think they would. And uh, this is "I See You" by Finback. It is a double IPA with cantaloupe, dry hop with mosaic, Belma, and Blanc. That comes Mel in Blanc? at eight percent even. Yeah, it's it's Belma and Louise and Mel Blanc hops. <laughs> I feel like like if you were in a. Um, uh, like a, a brewer's only band. Those would be good <laughs> names. <laughs> like they're all like pop puns. It's really good. I don't know if we ever had this for something. I feel like we may have because the cantaloupe is familiar. And you don't see too many cantaloupe. They had, a, they had another cantaloupe one that we had a few times. Oh, we did Song of the Whale. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is in an episode that hasn't come out yet, actually. <laughs> it's a song we of the We record cro- this crawdads. every week, right, yeah. Michael. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Time oh, is a flat stuff. circle. I still don't know what that means. Much like the Earth. Say. 
Oh, well, <laughs> is it is, is the flat circle or is it a flat, like, rectangle? I never really got that part of the flat earth. Uh, it, I mean, it all depends on uh, uh, who you ask about the turtle that it sits on top oh, of. okay, yeah. That does depend <laughs> on the turtle, right. So anyway, the town is on lockdown, and uh, if you try to leave, the guards will be like, hey, I see you. You can't do that. So hence this beer, which is a really delicious beer. You really do get the cantaloupe in it, um, which is a nice, refreshing, crisp flavor in an IPA. Well, all right. All right, yeah. So then we get a whole bunch of characters, and there's like one kind of main character, and I don't know how to say his name because it has like extra letters and an X there, and it's uh, Bernard Ryu. Basically, it's basically like I think it's Ryu. Ryu. Yeah. Real. It's probably Real. said more, Real. but we'll just say Rio. <laughs> All right, Rio. And he's a doctor. And um, and shit starts to go down. Yeah. Well, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, first, it's like the town is just like, people are just going about their business, having fun, sitting in the cafes, you know, just like doing normal people things. Uh, and then this whole like first part of the book, yeah, he sees rats. Rats just like run out to the middle of the street and then die. It's like, huh, that's weird. And like first it's one, and then they like then it's like ten, and then there are like whole. And then after a couple weeks of this, there are like you know huge like wheelbarrow fulls of like just dead rats everywhere that the town is like trying to clean up. And they're like, sorry, guys, we know it's gross, but... We only work two hours a day. The rest of it is spent sitting in cafes smoking. It can it can only get so many rats cleaned up. It also makes you really wonder where all those rats were before they came out. Like, there's just a, <laughs> a staggering amount of rats underground and in every wall. It's like this, there's no insulation in these buildings. It's just rat bodies. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's I think it's the traditional Algerian house is is insulated with live rats. Well, yeah, it's it's more. Uh, that's what I got from this book. It's more, it's more green. That <laughs> is, I mean, jokes aside, cities are just infested with rats. So many. I mean, the po- the rat population of New York is like ten times the number of people, if not more. Did you see that seagulls are now hunting rats and pigeons in? Like the cities, because there's no food for them to eat off of the streets. That's a win. Damn, <laughs> nature's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, but seagulls aren't like predators; they're scavengers. So for seagulls to actively hunt rats, they are so desperate. <laughs> it's fucking evolution, dude. <laughs> like filling some sort of ecological niche as the rat eaters. So maybe we don't want them to end up doing that. End up like having seagulls that actively hunt things. That's probably bad for us as people. Currently, they just actively hunt cast-off pieces of bagel <laughs> and french fries. <laughs> We're next. Oh, shit. Uh, so anyway, and then uh, Dr. Ryo, Ryu, whatever, whatever his name is, Dr. R, Ryu, uh, goes to, gets, you know, he gets house calls, because this is still the 1940s when doctors did house calls. And so he does a house call, and somebody has, like, these giant swelling things under their armpits, which, uh, and I was like, huh, that's weird. That's just like the Black Plague. Huh, that can't possibly be. There's, there's no way that that would happen. And then it's like, huh, one person, whatever. And they die, I think. I don't know. Maybe they go to the hospital. But, uh, and then another person, and then another person. And then, and then it's like five people, and then it's 10 people all at once 
clearly have uh, the symptoms of the Black Plague. And the whole town has to be isolated, you know, basically completely cut off, uh, nothing in or out. But for a while, um, everyone was like, don't even mention plague. It's not plague. Can't be can't plague. Can't be plague. Don't even say it. I wrote it. this one down. Was, uh, one, of the wor- one of the first guys that died, they're like, oh, was he like, they're, also, they're looking for underlying conditions. Like, what else could have done it? Which is much like what would happen here. Like, it only kills people who are sick already. Uh, and I wrote down, he was, no, he had a weak chest. And he played music for the choir. It wears you out, always blowing down a tube. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that guy blows a lot of tubes. That's why he died. <laughs> and he says, oh, well, when, when you're ill, you shouldn't blow down a tube. How do they think choirs work? I don't know. I was also because like, it's one of those tuba choirs. I don't know. Those, those strange French choirs it's where a, just blow each a, other. <laughs> it's a didgeridoo choir. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. I believe it's a, a didgeridoo <laughs> consort is what they're calling <laughs> For like 48 like, minutes. Do you like that? That's all it is forever. Like a humming tube. <laughs> well, people, who doesn't love a good humming tube? Well, apparently this guy loved him too much. Because <laughs> he was died just thinking, of it. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of the, uh, the doctor that he makes house calls. Um, he's clearly helping spread whatever the fuck it is, right? Like... This is the time period when all of medicine fits in a bag. So he can just go to your house like, I can treat you. I have my bag of tools. And uh, and that that is like, here's a, a bottle of camphor and a Band-Aid. Yeah, gonna so if it's not one of this, you're going to die. Yeah, well, the point of this book was definitely not the science. Although I believe uh, a lot of... Okay, the plague, at least it's... Sort okay. Who knows? The plague was spread by rats, or technically, it was spread by the fleas, oh, fleas that live on the rats, and it wasn't spread person to person, the way coronavirus is or the regular flu is. Uh, except that may not actually be true either, because I mean there were a lot of rats in the Middle Ages, but like fifty million people dead, they probably spread it to each other too. Of course, people were covered in fleas also, and so that probably didn't help. They hadn't invented mayonnaise yet to get it out of your hair. You know when you have lice and they put mayonnaise in the kid's hair to smother the, the lice? No. <laughs> you never seen that? Mayonnaise? No, I don't know that. That was an episode of The Office, I know, Michael. I, I know they use, uh, you know, special shampoo that kills them. Yes, they use that too. But it's not as tasty as mayonnaise. And you get to eat the mayonnaise afterwards. And it's like, basically like got protein in it. <laughs> it's, it's crunchy mayonnaise <laughs> now. Oh, Oh. Did, did you know that lice is actually becoming immune to that special shampoo? Fucking evolution. I'm glad I, I'm glad I have God no damn. hair. Do you think Greek people have lice all over their bodies? I don't think. I know. <laughs> like, hey, Nick, I'm a itchy. <laughs> I don't know why he's, he's Italian now, but... <laughs> more souflaki oil on my hairs. You gotta make more itchy on the chest. Eh? <laughs> Good, yes, yes. I make a lamb for us now. <laughs> if you can't tell, there's nothing to say about this book. <laughs> Speaking of plagues, I'll have a beer. Yeah, okay, good idea. <laughs> this beer is called Unreliable Narrator. That has to be from Threes. It is from Threes. How did, how did oh, you know nice. that? <laughs> they have a whole lot of ones. They've had like foregone con- uh, illogical conclusion oh, or logical okay. conclusion. Well, They've had a whole bunch of similar this things. a 7.5% India Pale Ale. It's fine. It's a uh, it's a little bitter. It's but not crazy. It's got a very orange, 
zest to it. it don't, don't give you all the hop, the hop porn on the side nope. of the can? Nope. I'm less guessing, so I'm going to guess Citra, but... Because <laughs> I got a hit of a chance, probably. Um, but it's, it's all right. It's not bad. Uh, it, it tastes kind of like a beer Sunny D. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sounds good. Much better than beer purple stuff. <laughs> no, that's the best. So I chose this because the narrator in the book frequently interjects and is like, oh, you know, I'm just the narrator or like all this stuff, but I'm just trying to, you know, tell it like I saw it. And I'll tell yeah, you that who was I am. Yeah, so he kind of broke the fourth wall a lot. But, you know, he actually is pretty reliable. But I saw this beer. I thought, that's good enough. I, I approve. So, okay. Uh, in the book, this, the, like the majority of the book or like the middle, call it 80% of the book, is with the town on lockdown. And the plague just keeps getting worse. But there are all these like weird side characters. It's like Dr. Ryu is clearly the main character, but he's not really, he doesn't do that much. It's mainly just all these weird other people that he meets, like the guy who's trying to escape because he's like stuck there and his girlfriend isn't there. So he's like, he's like just a journalist or something like that. And he's just, he was there just to visit or just to like do something for a couple months. And now he's stuck there. And now he's really, really missing his girlfriend um, and really wants to get back to see her. So he hatches all these like stupid plans and plots to try and get out. Although first he goes to Dr. Ryu and he asks, you know, can you give me a, a letter that says I don't have plague? And the doctor's like, no, because <laughs> even if I knew you didn't have plague, how do I know you're not going to get it as soon as you leave? So I can't do that. Sorry. It's a, it's a good thing that we've evolved since the forties. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's like they didn't have they didn't have a national strategy for testing, kind of like us. Their test was: Is your groin swollen? Let me cut it open with a knife. But the problem was that so many men were like proud of their swollen crotch bulges <laughs> that they were pretending that was just their meat half the time. It's like it's fine, it's fine. I, I was just dying slowly. But look at this! Look at this hunk of meat down here, ladies. <laughs> Come and get some. Wasn't that in cholera? Where all the men had the hernia, and they were just like, no, it's supposed to be like that, I swear. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to have one really big ball. <laughs> it's totally cool. There's also um, Joseph Grand, uh, the clerk guy, who's like... Who really wants to keep his hotel clean, but there's so many rats. <laughs> they, were, they, were like, they provided some of the structural integrity of the building, the rats. Like, without yeah. them, like, the hotel is crumbling. <laughs> Um, then there's a priest dude. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his fucking name. Panalu. The priest. The priest is important. Pa- Panalu. Is that it? Sure. You guys took French. Close enough. And then there's um, a couple other people. There's, there's a guy who's almost the same name twice. Raymond Rambert or something like that. S- S- Rambert. 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 It's like the cheese. Camem Rambert. Yes, that's it. Ray Rams, as I called him in my head throughout the rest of the book, because I didn't bother trying to give him away. He is a—he's the journalist guy oh. who is who is like looking like he's researching how shitty it is to live in in Algiers or something. You know, if you're not actually French, I mean, he's trying to find a guard to bribe to get out. Like, sure, that's how it works. I'll just find a door and a and a shady looking guy, and I'll work out an elaborate 
password scheme with him and he'll stuff me in a boat or something. I don't remember what that. It didn't really make a lot of sense. It never works, right? Like, well, I mean, no. There's not really any... I mean, there is a plot, I suppose. It's like The plot is kind of like the plague in quarantine where you just have to wait until it's done and nothing really happens. Yep. Maybe there's an absurdist thing to that. We have these like vignettes, you know, like the scene of the guy trying to get the bribe thing happening and get out where they keep meeting in cafes and like just missing a guy. They're like, oh, let me go. We'll meet him tomorrow. And then... And then the guy's like, I won't charge you because you're a journalist. <laughs> You'll pay me back later. He's like, yes, I'll give you the answers to the Sudoku next week. I kind of, <laughs> I don't know what kind of cachet you think I have as a fucking investigative reporter in Algiers. <laughs> but and then it just kind of like fizzles out. And, like, and then it didn't work. And then this guy's tried to do something. And like one guy, doesn't one guy like try to kill himself? Yeah, there was a guy who was going to kill himself. But okay, let's talk about the priest because he was actually kind of a the, the closest thing to an antagonist in the book, I guess you could say. So this is when the plague first gets bad. The priest Penelou or Lo Penelou call you know has I'm going to give a really big sermon on Sunday and like gets everybody packed into the church and as his message is that the plague was sent by God to punish the wicked. And the plague is there to show people the light of God, that to show people like, oh, we're all going to die. This is going to lead people back to the church. And he was saying like, that's what the purpose of it is for. And uh, Ryu, who is basically Camus, you know, as like a character, is, is says, he says later, not right away, but he basically says, no, that's fucking stupid. Because, and, and uh, Rio says, I've seen too much death. I've seen too much suffering to possibly think that the plague is here to show us the light of God. And that's stupid. And then the priest dies of the plague. So, yes. you know, the most pious one of all ends up dying from it. And this is, this is part of Camus' you know, philosophy or message that there is no point to life and there's definitely no God. Well, then <coughs> the priest essentially say at some point, like, while, you know, to us, logically, if there's a loving God, he wouldn't kill innocent people, but he does it, clearly, because innocent people die all the time, including of the plague. Nonetheless, we need to just kind of be like, that's fine. I get it. I don't understand why, but I accept it. And, and Camus is saying, like, that's, I mean, that's one of, like, the big arguments that people make today against the idea of a personal god it's like well, like you know there's like famous clips of like ricky gervais and stephen fry saying like witty shit and it's always like you you know if you meet if there is a god and you meet him what would you say and stephen fry's was like how dare you like <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really great i love stephen fry but he's like how dare you bone cancer in children like how dare you do that and and that's and the, the priest is like no, you just take that. Like that's that's part of the deal, and and we have to accept it. We can't question it. And Ryu is like, uh, dude, that's fucking horseshit. And uh, yeah, I can't say I disagree with him. <laughs> Definitely, I I didn't need a lot of convincing. Do you think maybe it's pronounced "painal"? Ow, because he's into fucking little boys. <laughs> <laughs> he's a priest. Yeah, I'm looking at how it's spelled. That's a sign. Painal. Ow. 
jokes. I mean, <laughs> this this book is laden with metaphors, so it's very possible. There's a lot of layers to it. I think that's what makes it enduring that people still fucking think it's a worthwhile book to read. Like, we'll get that later. I get this at the end, but. Well, I mean, most but of the there's book. There's a lot is, of different shit. Yeah, there's like not much to even discuss plot wise because there isn't much plot. There's like bits and pieces and characters, but there's not really an. There's not much of an arc. No, it's more like vignettes, just like little scenes of what life is like. Uh, under quarantine. W- would you call it more like an extended jam? Yeah, <laughs> I would. <laughs> wow, and it's about as interesting as most extended jams. <laughs> you leave during the drum solo. Oh yeah. All right. So this is called Extended Jam Hazy IPA by Distill, brewed with Mosaic, Galena, and El Dorado hops, and it's very nice. I like this. I did some research, so I knew what it was going to taste like. Uh, this is 6.8% alcohol. Uh, it's sweet, definitely fruity. It's not quite as, I wouldn't call it quite as juicy as those like Finback IPAs, but it's very nice. I, I, would, I would drink this. I think you will. And I will. <laughs> Currently are. All of the tenses. As Nate was saying earlier, the characters, uh, so Ryu is, represents Camus' philosophy, and the other characters kind of represent different schools of thought of like what is the purpose of life you know like what is so there's like the priest is religious thing um then there's also people who are like honor bound and duty bound and like they're kind of like focus on their like the fucking what's his name i forget his name the fucking clerk guy who just kind of like focuses on like mundane things and never really breaks through to think about the loftier parts of life and the purpose because he's so busy being you know like a day-to-day wage slave (laughs) or whatever and then there's there's like the gangster who uh, at first you meet because he's going to try and get the uh, journalist dude out. He's going to try and sneak him out. But the gangster is just like, yeah, I was totally going to be arrested by the authorities before this happened. But now they're outside and I'm in here and they can't get me. So this is kind of awesome. And he's like, hey, this is great. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who everyone else represents. I didn't read it that closely. And I don't know enough about 1940s French philosophy and is Camus an existentialist? I don't even know what his what yeah, term. Yeah, probably. Like, what would be the answer on Jeopardy? That's about as close as I can get to. Like, I couldn't explain what sure that means. That's the term for it. <clears throat> yeah, there's the weird writer dude who is he like obsessing over sentence. the first <laughs> sentence of his book. Meanwhile, he hasn't written the rest of the book. There's nothing else, and he like spends weeks and months just on a single word. You know, and it's it it's nothing. The sentence is like. Oh, and there was a woman on a horse. You had to pick the right adjective to really illustrate just how hot she was. Because no regular <laughs> words really worked, but it didn't really bring across her splendor when he used the word magnificent. So, Or how much of a horse it was. Yeah. How hot <laughs> that reminded, horse was. It was very horsey. I think it's horse dick. It reminded me of that, um, that, that far side comic. Where it's like Melville's drafts, and it's like, call me Daniel. It's like crossed call out. Me call me Nathan. Yeah, <laughs> just call me. It's like just different names crossed out. <laughs> like, you just can't get past that one fucking sentence. I don't know what that represents. Unless it's like, a, you know, people getting bogged down in the too narrow details of life. And they're paralyzed. Okay, that's probably a better answer than mine, which was, he's making fun of writers. I, I think he could that, be that's, doing That's both. what I was thinking. I think there's actually... He, he could be, I yes. think I think a lot of the stuff here... Um, 
doubles or triples in meaning, and there's lots of different ways of reading it. And that's probably why Camus is regarded as... I mean, he wrote like two famous fucking books, and he won the Nobel Prize in Literature, and he was like 40 when he won it. He wasn't old. And he died at like 45 or something like that. So he wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he had this huge body of work. There's something like very... I don't know, rich or deep about his writing and his thinking. And we're also reading it in translation, so some of that must get lost. It must be impossible to capture like all Probably. The, like the puns or, you know, clever phrasing things he's doing and, you know, parallel structures that would draw your eye to something differently if it was in you know French than it is in English. Did you guys read the about the book section at the end? No. God no. I did not. I I did because I didn't understand what the fuck I just read when I finished this book. And they talked about how the entire thing is, I don't know if it's definitely, but it's quite likely just an allegory for the Vichy France. That's what I got out of it. Because he does mention war quite specifically a couple times. And it's like living in the occupation and all the different characters represent different aspects of life under occupation. I, I did not look that up, but I got the sense that he was talking about World War II because everyone's ignoring the signs of the plague and pretending it's not the plague. Even though we look, the same thing was happening in like 1937, 1938, Europe. And everyone's like, no, it's not war. Relax. It's just the Sudetenland and a bunch of krauts. Like, no one cares. <laughs> like, who cares? It's fucking Czechoslovakia. I don't know how to spell that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, when I did some research about the book, uh, what I got was it's definitely not about that. They said, it's not about that. That is not what Camus meant. It, he was literally just talking about the absurdity of life. And they said, it's not about that. So I don't know. I, I think you can interpret it both ways, actually. Because if he wrote it, if he was write, started writing it in 1941, there wasn't if you were French, there's like one really important thing going on. You can't help but like it's the it baguette shortage of August 1941. <laughs> it was a national crisis. <laughs> oh, and there was that little war they had immediately lost. But they, <laughs> it was the lack Basically, of yes. new Edith Piaf records. <laughs> and they <laughs> and just oh no, what do we do? Bird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got there. Were, I, I can't. I'm not going to go look for the passage now because even if you find the passage in the book, it's like embedded in a seven page paragraph. But he definitely st- specifically mentions war a couple of times and compares it to the plague or compares it to the, the symptoms. I'm 99% sure I highlighted that. It's in part one because I remember that's when I was reading it most carefully before I was just like, I need to finish this. And <laughs> while you look that up, I'll have another beer. So this is a beer that's quite nice. Gotta be careful with it. It's uh from Evil Twin, who are currently at least Evil Twin New York City, delivering throughout New York State if you order online. We get zero percent. So if you use the coupon code, go fuck yourself. But um <laughs> I have ordered uh six cases of beer from them so far. And uh oh, well actually I should lie, it's five cases of beer, one case of hard seltzer. <laughs> For that one week oh, where I well, thought I was allergic to stout. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe there is a God. Life is not absurd. I have seen the light. So this beer is from Evil Twin NYC, and it is a collaboration with Root and Branch. Uh, we've had a lot of Evil Twin NYC. We had a couple of Root and Branches. 
Uh, it is called yeah. We Will Meet Again and Eat Pizza. And it is a double dry hopped triple IPA with Citra, Eldorado, and Motuka coming in at 10%. I bought a whole case of this and I lived. So good luck. It's so good. It's like, first of all, way too goddamn, way too goddamn drink- drinkable for 10%. There are days when we're like, uh oh, that was too many of those. <laughs> So yeah, so this is really great between the Citra and the Motuka and Eldorado. You really get a lot of like fruit flavors, like specifically um, like watermelon almost. Um, Do they still have some or is it too late to order it? Uh, they might not Probably, have more of this, right? but they have, they are crushing it, man. Um, I just can't afford to order every week from them, even even with my ridiculous spending habits on beer. And they just put out, like, I'm, I, it's like you order... Because the shit sells out in like a week and a half, two weeks, stuff will sit around. And then they're like, all right, cool. And then like the next week, oh, fuck, a new thing. Like they just put out another even more candy bars beer that I didn't order, but it was like Reese's Pieces and something else. Like, oh, god damn. Got 13.5% alcohol candy bar stout. That That's a way to die. I know. But uh, I did get some other stouts from them that hopefully uh, we could hold on to for when you're here because they're just ridiculous <laughs> like one you know like you normally know, like, there's stuff like made with this and this there's one like the whole side of the fucking can is ingredients and it's like ridiculous <laughs> like, made with astronaut ice cream and oreos and <laughs> fucking like blueberry super fruit it's just bizarre nonsense and the beer is called something like this might be the top 10 or top five craziest beers we've ever made so we could find a way to connect that to anything yeah, true. Um, but checking out their order, they're good. And um, I think it's like a flat rate for shipping. Once you get past one case, you might as well just buy like seven. You know, you can't really. Yeah, you might as well. You, you, know, you got to stock <laughs> up. Or are you going to keep seven cases of beer? But My liver, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so, oh, yeah, why did I pick this beer? Oh, because uh, there's that guy who wants to get back with his wife the whole time. And, and presumably when he meets back up with her, it doesn't say they won't have pizza. And uh, Yeah. I mean, it's definitely on the list. Maybe they'll have. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll have French bread pizza. I would assume. I don't. I don't know <laughs> what kind. Of, I mean, like you get a hot lunch at school. <laughs> pizza on a yeah. baguette. All right. So here's a quote. This is from very the very near the beginning. It says, "Pestilence is in fact very common, but we find it hard to believe in a pestilence when it descends upon us. There have been as many plagues in the world as there have been wars." Yet plagues and wars find people equally unprepared. When war breaks out, people say, it won't last. It's too stupid. And war is certainly too stupid, but that doesn't prevent it from lasting. Stupidity always carries doggedly on. It's not wrong. So I remember that passage quite specifically. I don't know how you could look at that and be like, well, it's definitely not about war. I mean, he's got to be at least a little bit, right? He had to have been talking about World War II. It's impossible Although, that he wasn't at all. Possibly World War One. <coughs> it seems impossible. World War One yeah. was a little. Although like, wasn't World War like everyone kind of like surprised when World War One happened? Like, oh yeah. Well, also not only was everyone surprised when it happened, but everyone was immediately like, "This is so stupid." And in fact, they were so surprised when it went on and on and on, and they thought it was just so stupid. Because it was. It really didn't... I think happen. it's... I mean, really, if it's going to be a war thing, it's probably more likely World War II because he was living through it and it was fresh in everyone's mind. And a lot of the characters are 
representative of shit that happened. Like, there's the one guy who is basically, he's like, ma- he's made it out well. Like, maybe it was the gangster. Maybe it was, the, maybe it, was the, it was the guy who had the shootout at the end of the movie, at the end of the fucking book. Yeah, the gangster. gangster. And he was basically like, he was doing better during this than he was before. And he was basically the representation of collaborators, you know, people who worked with the Vichy and the Nazis. And then after the war ended, uh, they got their shit pushed in because people were very upset with them. But there was no occupation of France in World War I, right? No. So, no. I don't know. Although most, most of the fighting in World War I happened in France. Yeah. Like, but the Germans never were able to take more than like the like top corner of it, and they didn't capture uh, Paris. I, I maybe some critics are saying that this isn't specifically about World War II, but then you know not to get like English teachery on you, but as you were saying, he lived during it and he wrote it during it. It had to creep in at the very least. The thing that I got was that the the overall message was not specifically about war, but, you know, his point, the purpose is the message that life is absurd, that we are all fragile creatures and totally random chance, which is what the plague represents. Totally random chance could come for us all at any time. And that, especially, there's a character, This is there's a character in the middle, I forget exactly why they said it, but they said, I've always had the plague. This could always have happened to me. I could always, and that's what they were saying. Like this could, this random event could kill me and all the people I know at any time. Dude had a lot of VD. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> 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 so I mean, I don't know what else there is the same but the shitty book. <laughs> I mean, eventually the plague goes away. And everyone is like, yay, this is so happy. This is nice. But then the very last line is something like, but plagues always have a way of returning. The very uh, plagues are, plagues stay hidden in sock drawers. And he's saying that this kind of thing can happen at any time. He's not wrong. And that it will come back. And oh, look at that. He was right. On both senses, I guess, right? (laughs) It's not like war went away either. Yeah. There, There are still some wars. Occasionally, all the time, there are wars. Yeah. And everyone took a sip of their beer at the same time. To war. (laughs) Indeed. Yes. Uh, Okay, guys. So, I think we already talked about this, but did you like the book? No. I actually, as like an intellectual exercise, I kind of enjoyed parts of it. It was like, oh, I think I understand what's happening here, and I feel like a smart person for understanding some of this shit. But there's no plot, really. It's not an interesting plot. And the characters I don't give a shit about. So yeah. I didn't really enjoy it. For what I typically read for, which is for a good story, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, I, I would say basically the same thing. Like, I could intellectually search for some of those things like that. And I did think it was the most relevant to what's happening right now than any of these plague books we've read. Yeah. It most what well, the That's situation so snake in venom on your dick. The book <laughs> going whoring <laughs> <laughs> that we know of. Uh, I haven't tried that yet, no. Well, you haven't lived. Well, another another month or two, you know. When you really feel something again. <laughs> but it was not it was like a chore to read. It was, it was a such slog. a chore to read. It's it not even a long book. Bad. It was just boring. Like, I found the stand to be much more boring than this. 
which we haven't released yet or even recorded yet, but we're reading that for the podcast. Spoiler. I, I think this this one was it was boring because, I mean, it's a lot of like you know nice language is written nicely. It was very pretty, but nothing happens for essentially the entire book, and it's like, yeah, you could read into it and find some fucking metaphors and whatnot, but it's just mostly. Nothing, just nothing, constantly. Well, isn't that kind of got Camus' point about life, <laughs> right? Isn't that kind of what he's saying? Uh, like, well, yeah, it, I it, mean, it's nothing. Yeah, it's it, like, as as a as, as a metaphor, it does a very good job. But as a book, you want to just read it. Fucking sucks. And I'm sure this is another book that, like, if you had a college class about it and they went through it and you learned everything. And you, if you read it with a certain lens in mind, like if, if you learned about the war stuff or the absurdism stuff beforehand and then read this book with that in mind, it would have added a lot to it. But if you just go in dry, uh, it is just, it's just kind of boring because there's nothing, there's no, there's no action. And not even like, I mean, like battle scenes. I mean, like, there's, no one does anything. It reminds me of, um, you ever seen the movie Adaptation with Nicolas Cage? Yes. It's a fucking yeah. weird ass movie. Very weird. That I didn't like at the time, but I was like 17 and not pretentious enough, perhaps. But there's a scene <laughs> where with Brian Cox, he's in like one scene, of, as I recall, the movie. He's like the guru screenwriter guy. And Fair. and Nicolas Cage, one of Nicolas Cage's characters, Charlie Kaufman, is like, uh, he says, what if you're trying to write a movie, either like a master class or something, like how to write screenplays and like a Q&A or something. And it's like, what if you're trying to write a movie that reflects life, you know, where like nothing happens? And then the guy's like, uh, like the real, like he's like, you know, like a reflection of the, I'm looking up the quote now because it's really funny. He's like, more of a reflection of the real world. And he's like, you mean the real world? He's like, yes, sir. The real fucking world. Well, first of all, you write a screenplay without conflict or crisis and you'll bore your audience to tears. And <laughs> that replies. And he says, secondly, nothing happens in the world. Are you out of your fucking mind? People are murdered every day. There's genocide, war, corruption. Every fucking day, somewhere in the world, somebody sacrifices his life to save somebody else. Every fucking day, someone, some, somebody somewhere takes a conscious decision to destroy someone else. People find love. People lose it. For Christ's sake, a child watches her mother beaten to death on the steps of a church. Someone goes hungry. Someone else betrays his best friend for a woman. If you can't find that stuff in life, then you, my friend, don't know crap about life. And why the fuck are you wasting my two precious hours with your movie? I feel like that really applies to this book. <laughs> it's like... It's like, what if I'm just writing about the plague where we sit around and wait? Like, fuck you, Camus. Like, that was fucking, like, on the one, like, yeah, it's all smart, but fuck, man, nothing happened in this book. Yeah, that does sum it up. That being said, I did feel like a smart person to read a Camus book. (laughs) That wasn't The Stranger. (laughs) I have not read The Stranger. I read it years ago. How is that compared to this? I read it and I don't remember it. The Stranger is, first of all, like, 100 pages long, which is great. Uh, I read it about seven or eight years ago, and I read it in like a day, and I had no idea what I was going in for, so I probably missed everything. But it was just a weird story. It's like this guy, I mean, also this, one of the things like The Stranger is... They mention it in this book. I didn't even pick that up. That fucking sucks. They talk about like the guy, like, oh, the, just down over the other way. Like if some guy came up off the beach and he killed someone, there's a trial, and I was like, oh, that's weird. It's like, he's like Stephen King, a goal is books connect. Yeah, you know, he's in the he's in the Camus universe. There's just fewer fucking of, in the sewer scenes. Uh, we don't know that. <laughs> the Camus universe. Ooh. So many rats. Uh, the, the rats are all fucking in the sewer, that's true. 
the stranger we should do at some point. I would like to reread that as a better reader. Um, yeah, and make as fun an adult. of it. It was just weird. It's just weird scenes, but it's also like a much more straightforward plot than this because it's really just like one guy. It reminded me a lot, and this did to a lesser degree of like Kafka, of just like weird scenes and like shit doesn't make sense. And yeah, the world is like soul crushing and terrible and that kind of thing. It's another one that you should maybe find out what it's about, like as a metaphor before you read it. Because then maybe it'll have it'll make a little more sense. Otherwise, I don't I don't remember it very well. I don't remember making a whole lot of fucking sense. It's just like a guy who doesn't fit in. Also, it helps that the stranger is often also translated as the outsider because he was his name yeah. was Pony Boy. But he goes through <laughs> like he doesn't fit in anywhere, and because of that, he is eventually killed for it. Right? Um, that oh, spoilers. He just said the guy got put on trial for murdering a guy. He like he kills. I don't remember why he kills the guy. Like on the beach, like no reason because he's like confused or something. Uh, it's, it's fucking. I don't know. I have to reread it clearly, but I'd rather reread that than the fucking plague. Let me tell you that. Yeah, definitely. I'd almost rather get the plague. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbuckclub at gmail Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Guys Book Club. And uh, one thing that really helps support our drinking habit and this podcast, those are overlapping things in the Venn diagram of our lives, uh, <laughs> is our, our patrons over at Patreon who, uh, you know, have thrown some hard-earned dollar at us and <laughs> kept <laughs> keeping this podcast going. So if you're interested in that, go to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub or something like that and give us, uh, give us monies. We will take your monies, please. And you can also give us a nice review wherever you listen and just give us five stars, one for every week that we have been locked down. So at this point, 11 or 12,000 stars. I was, I was going to say one, I was gonna say like one that, for every yeah. dead rat in this book. <laughs> There's not that many stars to give. <laughs> not in the, not in the, uh, in the entire universe. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beard podcasters, and thanks for listening.